The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hi there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to Telegraph Audio Football Club. Today, it's finally time to say goodbye to Unai as Emery leaves Arsenal and professional underwear model Freddie Lundberg steps into the dugout to mastermind a tall draw at Norwich City. It's looking good at the top for Liverpool as they extend their lead, but you can never declare a title race over in December, can you? Plus, QSF gets his P45 in WD18 for failing to deliver. Amazon Prime matches are upon us and the Euro 2020 draw. Let's take you now into the audio recording facility where I'm joined by returning hero Mina Razuki. How are you, Mina? Oh, I'm good, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, reasonably well, thank you. Rested, Mina? No, not that much, to be honest. Oh, no. No, you're never really rested when you come back from holiday because you're trying so hard to take advantage of every minute. Yeah, I see your point. I see your point, but I'm disappointed to hear it. Alongside her, it's another returning hero, Matt Law. Hi. What's going on? You've already lied. I'm trying to be a professional, man. <laughs> Some of us care about I'm how this scared. podcast I'm scared. There's a massive pile of tissues sat right next to me, and I am quite frankly frightened <laughs> yeah. at what's going to happen to me during this part. To be clear, he is ill. That's what's happened. <laughs> do, you, do you know what is the worst and most tedious thing in the world, though? It's people talking about how ill they are. I'll talk about how you... Okay, yeah. You do a running commentary. Completing the lineup. The gang's all here. JJ Ball. Woo! Hello. When was the last time we were all together? I think it might have been pre-season. I think you three yeah. have done a show with Mina presenting and someone else but I think the four of us together might have been pre-season which no. is a disgrace wow. Was it, is it really that long ago? that can't be right been. that's because Matt's too famous for us now um, <laughs> JJ is taking loads of random holidays <laughs> yeah yeah, it's unacceptable and we need to get it right over the Christmas break we'll go on a uh, team building exercise somewhere in a cabin and work it all out from there can, can I excuse myself or I do <laughs> <laughs> let's start with Arsenal and Unai Emery who has departed from our lives. Uh, their new era began at Carrow Road on Sunday. Sam Dean was there to see it for us. I suppose the most positive element of Freddie Jumberg's first game in charge of Arsenal was that for the first half an hour at least you could see what he was trying to do. You could see what the plan was. Arsenal played in a 4-3-3 which is also more of a 4-2-3-1 at times with Joe Willock pushing further forward and uh, Aubameyang far right and Meza Ozil far left. There was more width to their game, more composure on the ball, a bit more sort of control which we Arsenal fans have really come to expect uh, over the last two decades really under Arsene Wenger and that control very much disappeared under Unai Emery. Um, then they got caught twice on the break which you could say happens so you could also say that's a weakness in this team that they are so vulnerable to transitions as as Freddie Yumbo said afterwards that's a clear area for for them to work on um and that's the first half really in in summarization but the second half was far different the second half was very much like Emery's Arsenal again and it was to put it politely it was just chaos at the back um Norwich were going through time and time again Todd Cantwell Timo Puki McLean they all had great chances and only the sort of the brilliance of, of Bern Leno in the Arsenal goal stopped that from being what could easily have been a heavy defeat, much like the same as it was against Southampton last weekend when Arsenal got a 2-2 draw but might easily have shipped four or five goals in their own net. So there were little things to work on and you can see what Jumberg is trying to do, which is a positive, but overall it's going to take a lot of time to iron out the, the defensive mistakes and the sort of the chaos with which Arsenal slip into so easily. 
So, Matt, not to be outdone by Spurs, Arsenal sacked their manager. What went wrong for Emery? <laughs> um, with just everything that's gone wrong at Arsenal for a long time. The new era, by the way, on, on Sunday looked a lot like the old era. Um, just the era. It's just the same, isn't it? I look, changing the manager will fix some problems for sure at some point, you'd hope. Maybe I'm not sure about that. Do you um, mean the change that will come after the interim period? Yeah, no, you'd no expect... one thinks Lundberg's going to be the long-term answer. Mm, that he might be. Um, he would have thought so if he'd won. Yeah, or if he gets a couple of wins coming. But there's just so many more problems there. That You know, the ownership is just appalling. The decision makers don't seem to be doing a very good job. Sanali, Edu, Husfami. There's issues far bigger than the manager there. And while you can get in a manager who will be able to have an impact um, to some level, I just don't see that club moving anywhere near as far forward as the fans would want them to until there's some proper change higher up or some properly good decision making, which just hasn't happened in a long, long time. Feels like appointments are often reactions to the previous person's failings, Mina. So, what will Arsenal be looking for? Do you think this time to correct what their perceived uh, failures, of, failures of Emery were? This is a difficult one because I think that initially, when they were interviewing at the time, Mikel Arteta looked like the, the man that really had charmed them, and I had looked to be the most suitable for the job. But they always erred on the side of caution. And that was a little bit why they went for Unai Emery in the end, because this was a man who had done a good job with Sevilla, who'd obviously had his problems at PSG, but it was still a big club, still dealt with big players, and they thought he'd be a safe pair of hands. And I think that's really their issue, is that there's really a lack of identity. It's not a club that belongs in, in a pair of safe hands. And the way that the, the club is conducted on a business level, just like Matt was saying, in the sense that there is this sort of... Uh, group unit, management team, but there's just so many voices there. There isn't one that is willing to take responsibility, that is willing to make the decisions. And you wonder to yourself, who is going to choose the manager? Who is the man that you listen to? Who is the loudest voice in the room? And you're not really sure. And um, so who they're going to go for, there is just a number of people being linked to the job, from Pochettino because he's good with kids to Allegri because he's coming from Juventus and, you know, he was super successful there. But I think what they need is a man who actually perhaps does have the loudest voice in the room. And and I don't think it's either one of those. I think there comes a point where you charisma now matters more than anything when looking for a coach. You need a man who can really rally the troops, who can communicate with his players, who can... Um, discipline but at the same time be a man that they're willing to talk to that they're willing to die for and you you notice the ones that have succeeded are not necessarily the greatest tacticians but the ones who just simply know how to communicate with their players such as Zinedine Zidane um, such as for example obviously like Jurgen Klopp who's the most charismatic coach Pep Guardiola and those are the men that keep moving forward because Allegri, for all his brilliance, wasn't necessarily a man that charmed everyone. And that's potentially why he lost the job. Who would you have then, Mina? Who do you think is the best candidate for Arsenal? There isn't one. Honestly, there isn't one at the moment. That I'm, I'm, if I'm thinking, what are they going to do? Just shut the club down? <laughs> don't have a manager. That, yeah, because I don't think that there is one that's available. And why would Pochettino destroy his legacy? Yeah, Poch, Poch doesn't feel likely, does it? I mean, they can yeah. have him on their shortlist. No, there's, like there's lots of different reasons. I'm going to write one of the reasons today, so better not say it on here. Um, 
But he's a guy who really is sensitive and he cares a lot about his rep. Yeah, for sure. I'd, uh, Brendan Rogers for me, ticks a lot, a lot of boxes. Yeah, that's a good chat. Yeah. Um, harder job than Leicester, though, isn't it, at the moment, if he, if he leaves now. It is a harder job than Leicester, but these jobs don't come around that often when you're in a position where you're, you could realistically get it. And although at the moment Arsenal might be a step backwards from where he's at, it's it's a massive club. It's one of England's great clubs. You'd have to take it. I mean, I suspect it won't be till the end of the season. But I think he ticks some boxes because, in terms of a reaction against Emery, as Mina said, they'll they'll make sure they get a good communicator. That's like number one. Brendan Rodgers is a good communicator. They would ideally, I think, probably like some sort of Premier League experience. Not necessarily have to. It doesn't necessarily rule out Allegri, for instance. But if they could, he's got that. He's got big club experience from his time at Liverpool. He's worked with big players, with Suarez. He ticks a lot of boxes. I'm not saying he's perfect by any means, but, but of all is, of yeah. all the candidates, I think he's the he's the one. Yeah, I could certainly see at the end of the season. What did you make of their performance against Norwich, JJ? Did you see any encouraging signs that Lundberg's going to be a tactical mastermind for them or change much about uh, their problems? You're <laughs> laughing while you're asking the question. <laughs> Mina, I'll be honest with you. I'm just trying to get through it today. So. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, no, there was no difference. But I think he, I think he only had... They look, they look more up for it, didn't they? A little bit more sprightly? <sighs> no, nah, I I mean, maybe. But he, Lundberg only had, I think, two days, maybe one training session. Because you wouldn't have a, training, a proper training session the day before um, a match. Uh, so the... Uh, the shape's kind of weird. They played a sort of a 4-2-3-1. It was also a 4-2-2-2-2. But regardless of shape, the first thing that I thought was immediately uh, a bad idea was to put um, Skodra Mustafi in next to David Luiz. <laughs> it's a weird thing to do. <laughs> Both of them at fault for goals. Uh, and he played Callum Chambers on the right, so there's no width on the right if you're playing a narrow shape through the middle. Kalasnach, what, what is he? I, a I unit. Exactly. Everyone describes him as a unit, but I don't... He's not good enough for to be Arsenal's left back. It was weird they got rid of Nacho Monreal because he was such a, a much better player. Tierney on the bench, but I think it's because he picked up an injury. But it's still weird. Özil's back in the team. Xhaka's back in, and he wasn't very good. It didn't look great. And Abamian got his two goals, but one was off the back of a set piece, and the other one was a penalty that he also missed. <laughs> it's actually a really bad team when you look at it. Yeah, they don't look very good at the moment at all, do they? What about Emery Mina? How is he regarded on the continent, and how are we going to pass this period at Arsenal in his career? What? what What's the final verdict on him? I think when he was coming up with Sevilla, which people forget that this was a club that had Monchi in charge, and Monchi is one of those great supporting directors, albeit he didn't have a great time at Roma, but he is somebody who knew how to identify talent. He had a very strong charisma, and he helped sort of groom and help um, Emery do really well. And at the time, he had this great reputation, obviously. Going to PSG... This was a guy that was really good in winning European competitions, although it's not exactly the Champions League, it was the Europa League. And then everyone sort of understood when he didn't do a great job there because of the way that management is at PSG, you know, because of the fact that there's Neymar and all these big figures and, and no help from the CEO who looked to be more of a puppet of Neymar than actually his sort of, you know, boss. And you sort of were like, okay, he's bad. Tactically, he doesn't always make the right decisions. Some of his substitutions are very strange. The likes of Draxler came out and spoke against him. But you always thought PSG has a bad attitude in the dressing room. So you didn't know whether to blame Unai Emery entirely. Wentz goes to Arsenal where he has sort of a lot more license. And I think that 
now we're like, okay, this is you. Like, you should have more of a character. You should, you know, die by your sword or die by the convictions that, you know, sort of, how do you say that? You know? Yeah, I think everyone will know what you're saying. Okay. But you know what I mean? Like, a, a sense of like, you know, this is what I believe in, not a case of, okay, I've decided against this, but I don't want to play Ozil, but now I really need Ozil, so let's bring back Ozil. It just looks like he doesn't actually have a plan, a strategy, a belief in himself. He's so willing to, you know, sway either side. And I think that's lost a lot of uh, sort of belief around him or any trust that people had in him. And now I'm not entirely sure he'll get the big drops anymore. You know that bit in The Simpsons where uh, Santa's little helper and and oh God, and Snowball 2 look at each other when Grandpa's left with them and they roll their eyes? <laughs> All the stories I've heard about Emery from this week are sound like the players are like that. The worst one I've read is that he got them all to gather around. He got the travel coordinator to give them a, a team talk as one. <laughs> Another one was that he got all the players to put their hand in the middle like it's a after-school TV special and chant Arsenal, Arsenal <laughs> to try and get them revved up for a game. It just doesn't look quite in touch with what he's doing. It, he's just... Maybe uh, yeah, the the guys is not there. Yeah, quite <laughs> tough to see him getting another job in this country, certainly at that level. Let's talk about the title race, which we can declare over in December. <laughs> Nothing has ever gone wrong before, has it? By saying the title race is over in December, uh, I'm not having it. Uh, I think it's still very much alive. But Man City did drop points again at Newcastle. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne and John Joe Shelby with magnificent goals. Which did you enjoy more of those two goals? Oh, De Bruyne! If one hit, if one whacks the underside of the bar, what that- a sound it! Made. It's extremely satisfying. It just makes it a much better goal. Yeah. I was wondering, though, if there's an argument for Shelby's being more enjoyable because it was the sort of unexpected thing. And I like maybe. that one the most, to be honest. I thought it was so nicely organised, you know. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. It probably technically is, is a bit better and oh. dramatically it's better. But just the whack on the underside yeah. of the crossbar just fills me with joy. Well, I was live <laughs> blogging it and, what, and people watched it in the office and there was a couple of people, including me, who stood up and swore loudly. It came out of nowhere. <laughs> Did you all say the same swear words? Well, the thing is, you saw it landing and you knew was going to hit it, but it came so quickly, it's like, hell, it was so, so Oh, my quick. word. I know. It'll get bleeped in edit, don't worry. Show. It get bleeped. out. The censors are, the censors are very good. Uh, I, mean, I almost swore in reaction to you swearing, though. <laughs> you would also have been bleeped. Yeah. <laughs> Two wrongs don't make a right. What about Steve Bruce, Matt? He's, uh, He's doing well. He is, He's right? doing really well. Newcastle are... Gambling a little bit more than they did. Yeah, I mean, it's not... Um, no, JJ's I don't, I don't think you can argue that it's worse football than Rafa. I think it's just quite similar. It's exactly the same. Um, no, it's not. But it is. he's got more points than Rafa did this time last yeah. year. He's picking up points against the big teams, which I'm not convinced... Oh, no, they did it with Rafa, to be fair. They'd always get a nil-nil draw or something. Yeah. The same, same thing, same stats. Well. It came out, they always, they, against those big teams, they always came away with about between 20 and 30% possession, yeah. exactly the same shape. Uh, they're, all, they're bottom of the league on XG, so it should um, they should level out and but be But you can only say he's doing well because he went in there into such a poisonous environment yeah. um, with not a very good squad and not a lot of money to spend. Can I say the one thing that I, is a bit different is them dribbling is the amount of how many chances they had in sense of like carrying the ball forward. Yeah, but they don't create chances that see that like as in in the in the if, in terms of how much Rafa Benitez against their play against uh, Manchester City and Steve Bruce, you can see that there's a lot more dribbles and carrying the ball forward and just heading like being more vertical in their in their ways. That's the one difference that you can say. So they're a little bit more enterprising, although they don't have Salomon Rondon. Some of that's the San Maximan effect, I suppose, as well. Uh, a very eventful game for Liverpool. Uh, 
What was Alisson thinking with that handball, JJ? He came off his line to try and block it. I don't know why he punched it with his hand. Maybe he didn't realise quite where he was, but I don't think that would be the case. But at least he got it. I mean, they didn't end up losing, so it was fine what he did, really. Clever, clever free kick from Brighton. Really yeah. clever free kick. Loved it. Should yeah. have been closed down. Shouldn't have been it should have done, but still, yeah. you can only praise him for, for being clever and Dunk for being very switched on. Brighton are decent. Brighton are a decent team. They, they play really nice football, and their possession stats... We're pretty good against Liverpool, I see. Uh, Liverpool the, aren't playing that well. declaring the title race <laughs> over in December, awarding six-year contracts to managers feels like a thing that we've seen before and hasn't always gone that well. No, I um, I suspect there might it. have been some contact from another club that prompted oh, that. Interesting. There you go. Um, but Liverpool aren't playing that well, are they? Salah, what's happened to Salah? The, the guy's Salah's played for like 300 years, like yeah, non-stop. Yeah, that's a good point. I think he's just really tired now. I'm tired. He got subbed off again, didn't he? He's, yeah. he's gone really, really quiet, and yet they keep winning. I thought it was massive for them, because, you know, a week where Fabinho gets injured, yeah. um, they've, they play they've played Napoli. It looks like a tough week. It looks like it's set up, maybe, for a week where they might drop points and actually City can go closer. So for them to stretch the lead feels extremely significant. But Brighton's stats were just... I, I mean, if I was them, I'd offer a six-year six contract straight away. They were more accurate with their passing. They were better in the air, not when it came to the goals. Um, they had 55% possession. It was dribble after dribble. Adrian made five saves, five saves since coming on. I mean, this is a great side. They're really impressive. I, I watched and it's them, not a great squad. I watched them live against Villa. And they went down to 10 men and outplayed Villa with 10 men, completely outplayed Villa. We were really lucky. Um, he's got them playing really good football, completely. And to do it so quickly. Yeah. You know, because, you know, under Hewton, they were a completely different style of team. And in less than six months, he's absolutely changed it. I think he's done a really good job. Does he want to come to UV? <laughs> what about Leicester, JJ? Title challengers? I think the... It's weird. So... Sort of yes, but also no. Again, if you look at underlying stats, especially XG, things like that, they will, they should also level out. But then They're overperforming at the moment. They are overperforming at the moment. But the thing is, players like Jamie Vardy and, and, and Madison are overperforming, but good players do overperform, like Harry Kane has for, for years and years, and I think they are actually that good. And I reckon there's a chance that Leicester can keep this up for, for a while. The, they're probably going to have a squad depth, and especially if they pick up any injuries to the... The players they've got, I think Ndidi is the best player they have on that team and keeps everything together. But look at like the fullbacks are probably the best in the league at the moment. Um, I think Man City would take half their players as well on the first team. But uh, yeah, I mean Everton, uh, it was weird this game because Silva made his first sort big tactical switch. He changed his shape to a back three. But the only real difference I saw in Everton this game, other than the shape, was that they seemed really revved up. Like he'd been kept them in a cage and was punch them in the face, getting them all fired up for this game. <laughs> and they come out and Desperate like, times. you know, they, they roar into it and they're snapping at tackles. And Leicester didn't like it. They, they could see it was really aggressive. They didn't. They weren't enjoying it because it's hard to get yourself up to that level if you're not already there. And uh, as soon as they inevitably tired in the second half, that intensity dropped. The press dropped. Uh, Rogers put on a second striker so they had a two to go against the back three which just makes absolute sense and they were able to get back into it I don't know Marco Silva is in a bit of trouble but I think it's just the players they've got are just not good enough and I wonder whether that's his fault or the recruitment that they've done over so long yeah plenty of questions to be asked there it does look like Silva's a little bit of a dead man walking Matt there's not much point in sacking him now, though, is there, with the Liverpool game coming up next? No, I mean, that's that's one of the traps Watford fell into when they um, brought in Flores and brought him in ahead of like Arsenal, Man City and Wolves. And 
you do have to time it because if you're looking for that bounce, there's no point giving in an impossible game and then it all falling flat within a couple of weeks. So, but they do, the clubs get themselves into these ridiculous situations. You know, they called Silver into a meeting after the Norwich defeat and openly talked about sacking him in front of him. He knows they kind of want to sack him. We're now on a game-by-game basis, which means he's going to get sacked because he's not going to win every game. It feels stupid. It just feels a stupid way to run a football club. But I sympathize. What I would do, and I'm not even joking, you're going to laugh at this, I would sack him now. I would put Duncan Ferguson, who's at the club, in charge against Liverpool because I just think that would... They'd probably still lose. But they'd be very, very frightened. If you've got any chance of getting anything at Liverpool and getting some sort of artificial bounce for one game, stick Duncan Ferguson in charge, threaten all the players, (laughs) really punch them in the face rather than pretend to punch them. And the fans will go mad. And you might suddenly get away with it and then a point after that. I really don't know any manager manager would make a difference to that club just now. The players are so medium that they're not... I don't know... If you come in and give them like the fire, that's what Silva had with him against Leicester and it wasn't good enough and it ran out. I mean, maybe he'd get an extra goal and he might have come away with it. The only other thing I think you could do would be to make them super, super defensive and a really boring 5 they're, for one They're better than they are, though, aren't they? That. I mean, they're, they're like fifth, fourth or fifth from bottom. They're better than that. Uh, do you but think again, they've overspent I, then on medio- mediocrity? Oh, yeah, they've bought absolute nonsense. But, they, I mean, they're, <laughs> again, we look at underlying stats. Um, XG-wise, they should be, I think it's one, two, three, four, five, six. They should be seventh. Right. So, again, they're they're not hitting, but mostly it's because they've got no striker, and that is bad recruitment. They Other, should buy Mitrovic in January. Yeah, Mitrovic, I agree. I saw that tweet, yeah. Alexander Mitrovic should be right in. I, I totally oh. agree with Look, I think Moise Keane came really close. Yeah, but it's not good enough, and he's not he's not quite there yet. And you can see why Juventus let go of him and, and Calvert-Lewin is not a, uh, the stri- a striker that can play for someone in the top six. No way. Richarlison. Richarlison's all right. He's fine. There's just th- Whoever you bring in is going to... There's only a few different shapes you can play with him. There's only so many shapes in football you can play. But it's the, if the players aren't good enough individually and the team isn't quite there and you can see it's missing bits and pieces, it's not balanced, it's been badly put together, there's not much they can really do. And I mean, if they played like Newcastle... They'd probably be better off because they'd concede far fewer, uh, far fewer goals, and they'd be able. To, they've got better players going forward and might get it. But it's so boring to watch; you can't really get away with doing it. I so. bet they'd be in top four if they had Conte in charge. Anyone would be. Uh, who wouldn't? Would. Nina, who wouldn't? <laughs> Norwich would be. <laughs> Watford would be. I think you're pushing this. <laughs> nope. I, I, I think I might agree with that. Really, Norwich? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think yeah. there's some managers like we were saying before. We didn't have an argument another time. Yeah. I think there are some managers that are so good that they do get that little extra more out of them, and they do get teams to outperform on things like SG and players just to be better I just think that his tactics can be like I feel like Leicester were a bit like Conte like you know just very simple you know three centre backs basically like two wing backs let's go you know two points of reference at the top it just simplifies everything and I think it brings out the best in some of your players Hello, I'm Marianne Jones, and I'm the editor of The Telegraph magazine, which means I spend my week overseeing every page, from the front cover to hard-hitting news reports, columns and lifestyle features. We go to print weekly, so we have a little bit longer to craft our journalism, using our award-winning writers and fantastic art and photography teams. That means we can publish long-form pieces that really get to the heart of the story. Just recently, our cover interviews with Joaquin Phoenix and James Middleton made global headlines. 
while our writer Mick Brown's investigation into false memory syndrome won a major press award. And the fact of the matter is, we couldn't have done all of this without our subscribers. Without them, we just can't commission the stories you like reading or make podcasts like this one. Why not try out a 30-day subscription to The Telegraph completely free? Go to thetelegraph.co.uk slash audio. Let's rattle through the rest of the Premier League now. It's goodbye, Kike Sanchez-Flores. So soon after saying hello again, Kike Sanchez-Flores, Mina. Where do Watford turn now? Back into some of their other past managers, perhaps? No, I think I think that's what they're supposed to not do. <laughs> um, I think that there comes a time when you have to just give up on all your exes and actually start looking for somebody that can do something special for you. But the choices are, I mean, this is, this is you can tell this is a club run by Italians because they just absolutely have no patience for anything that they don't think is amazing. They've offered uh, Kike Sanchez-Flores absolutely no, I think, time to really create something. But at the same time, having said that, it didn't look like any of his players were that sort of buying into any philosophy and you wonder whether the squad is really up to scratch um, and he's made some rather odd decisions but I honestly do not know who is on the level that can do something special with him that can stop to build something uh, and at the same time be willing to take this job because it's scary to work for the Pozzo family because you have a very limited shelf life heartwarming stuff at Chelsea where David Martin, son of Alvin made his Premier League debut at 33 kept a clean sheet, some tears afterwards marvellous Chelsea, a bit disappointing, Matt, but Pellegrini's brought himself some time with this result. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd imagine he can now afford to lose to Wolves in the week and he'll be all right. Um, I look forward to losing to Wolves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I've thought, I didn't see this one coming. I, I've thought that Chelsea would trip up at some stage quite soon. I'd been in Valencia with them where they were incredibly lucky in the Champions League and they've had a few like that over the last few weeks where teams haven't uh, taken their chances against them. But, I mean, what, what Pellegrini did really well, I was at the Spurs game where there was just no real kind of soul about West Ham um, and it felt a very soulless team. And he brought in, you know, the, the lad in goal is clearly West Ham born and bred. The fans were up for that. He swapped Haller for Antonio, who definitely is one of those who the, who the fans connect to. But he's uh, very good. But it was quite simple stuff. I think he just played into the, the hands of actually, it was fairly simple decisions, but he made them all and it worked. Just getting some life about them again. I think there's just one thing that he did that was brilliant. It was just take away Roberto and that's it, they won. <laughs> <laughs> what about Tottenham? JJ still continuing to be lots of fun, scoring lots, conceding lots under Jose Mourinho. What's he done with Ali? Why is he suddenly looking back to his best? Playing him higher up the pitch rather than his Nate. He's playing as a second striker and the style of play is much more direct and quicker. So the ball is getting through the lines in a far faster fashion than it has been with Pochettino, which was, I think we talked about this before, but with Pochettino it was very tip-tap, tip-tap and then teams got behind the ball and they weren't able to get through them. But now they're just pinging it. It's maybe taken one touch on the way through to Ali and the way he times his runs is such that he ends up in the box with space and time to shoot. And he's brilliant at that. And um, I think he's at his best when he's having to improvise on the spot rather than think about things. And that style and speed of play is why he's doing so well. And we've got to have a word on Villa, Matt. Mm. How good were they in their draw at Old Trafford? Wonderful goal from Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish is magic, isn't he? I loved his celebration as well. He's just magic. Laughing it up at the Stratford end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got to do stuff like that if he's really going to be seen as that that next level of player outside Villa. Um, 
and people are really watching him now and he's performing. He's just fantastic to watch. It's good fun with Villa. You know, they're not the best team in the world. They make mistakes at the bat, but they're good to watch. They've got good players to watch. They go everywhere and try and play and try and win. They don't just sit back anywhere. Probably why they are where they are in the league when people say, oh, they should be a bit higher up because they're naive. But it's nice. It's good to watch. It's fun. Staying up? I think they will. I think they'll stay down there because they'll throw away points and they'll throw away goals. But I'd much rather that than them try and sit back. But I, I do think they'll stay up. If you've got Jack Grealish, John McGinn in a midfield and you're half competent everywhere else, you should have a very good chance of staying up. They're still not Sheffield United. Oh, Mina. Mina. <laughs> Great bunch, Sheffield United. Mm. This week, we have the first set of games on Amazon on Tuesday and Wednesday. This, to me, JJ, feels like probably the future. Everything viewable at once. Wonderful if you're at home on the sofa. Not so great if you're a match-going fan. Uh, We're going to get a taste for this, aren't we? Being able to watch exactly what we want when we want. I mean, you already can, right? (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Anyone vaguely computer literate has been able to, not I, of course, or anyone in this room, been able to watch these sorts of things. But there is a way to to have done this for ages. And it's a classic example of authorities and people in charge not catching up with how the technology is. It should be, you should be able to watch these sorts of things on the the same day. You should be able to choose the game you're watching. Do you agree with the 3 p.m. Saturday TV blackout? Uh, No, I think people will still go to games. I would still rather go to a game. So you think they should all be on TV? I think they should all be on TV. Okay, take take a lesson from Italy. In Italy, you can watch every Serie A, Serie B game on before. You used to be able to watch it on Sky and no one went because why would they? But I bet in the 90s it would have worked. <laughs> when it was like the super, not not to say it's not the best league in the world, but if it was super high up, then the I bet it would have had a better attendance. This is, this is the thing. I mean, a lot of the reason why we blame the fact that there is no stadium attendance, other than the fact that the stadiums are a lot of them in hideous quality, is because of the fact that if you can watch it at home and you can avoid the madness of all the traffic and getting there and stuff, and you have access to every single game and and another channel that shows you the highlights from every single game. Um, that you know the best bits the changes and it's so like dynamic with people screaming and swearing. Why? Why would you leave him? The problem also is lower down the pyramid, isn't it? Because if you're a young fella who lives, say, close to Salford mm. and you're going there regularly, but then you've got the option to watch whatever you want on a Saturday at three p.m., it's going to look a little bit more tempting. And it depends, I think, on how how much you feel like we should enshrine that tradition of attendance lower down the pyramid. Yeah, but then I mean, it's you're holding fans almost to ransom, like. I can't. I've never been able to afford to go to the games like this. When I was at uni, Aber- like Aberdeen tickets were discounted, but I still couldn't afford it. It was too much. It was your weekly amount of money you've got, so you watch it on TV instead. Anyway, if you've got, if you earn average salary, a ticket like in London, a ticket's like fifty quid or something. It's mental. Yeah, Who can so afford much. that more than once in a, a few months? I mean, I barely can. It's not. It's not a thing that people can really do. So to say that you're going to hurt your attendances, maybe, but you're just squeezing money out of people. It's become a tourism attraction anyway that people go to a lot of these games in the Premier League. And I think it's far more... It's more of an event to go to these games than it is to watch it on TV. The European Championships are coming on. I would far rather be at Wembley or Hamden to watch these games than watching it on TV. But the huge amount of money it costs to go and see any of them, and you can could have bought tickets, you know, is uh, puts you off being able, being able to do it sometimes. It's... It's not in touch with reality. It's like the, a lot of the world. People with loads of money can afford to do whatever they want, but the people who can't afford to do anything and want to do these things cannot. Yeah. The 7.30 kickoffs are amazing. Not the 8.15. I mean, as a kid, I always remember midweek games being 7.30 kickoff. And also now being a journalist and having to work to newspaper deadlines. 7.30 kickoffs are just great. Bring them back. Why are they 7.30 kickoffs? Between? I don't know. It makes a huge difference, 7.30 or 7.45. Yeah. Why? 
It just does. Because once you add on the injury time and everything else, it just does make a huge difference. 9.30 feels a lot earlier than 10. Yeah. yeah. Is it just 15 minutes? Or am I... It never works out like that. <laughs> but it's, like, it's like how like 5.52 You've feels You've obviously never had to file six. against first edition deadline either, Mina. Uh, no, I didn't. Because it makes a massive difference on that. Audio Football Club listeners, tell us your favourite kickoff time. AFC podcast at telegraph.co.uk. What about Euro 2020, Matt? The yep. draw has sort of been made. But yep. England know three of their opponents, two of their opponents, Czech Republic and Croatia, um, then one of Serbia, Scotland, Scotland or Finland? Norway. Norway. Oh, thank you, JJ. Because um, we have to play, well, Scotland have to play Israel, and then when we inevitably don't win that, we'd have to play one of Serbia or Norway. I see. So, good draw for England, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, They all they really wanted to do was avoid any potential group of death, which obviously ended up being the one with uh, France, Germany and Portugal. That is brutal. It is brutal. Um, I think it's hilarious. And, you know, sometimes, in a normal tournament where we weren't cheating and playing it all at home, um, <laughs> then you'd actually say that Croatia and Czech Republic might not be that easy playing them in, on neutral territory. I mean, Czech Republic beat us out there. But at Wembley, I can only see us rolling over all three. Whoever we play, sorry what, if that's Scotland. What, even Croatia? Croatia aren't that good anymore. And at Wembley, I think we're never good in qualifiers. They barely made it in the, in the World Cup and then yeah, they were amazing in the actual At tournament. Wembley, though, this is what I mean. At a neutral venue, I could see Croatia winning. At Wembley, I don't see them winning. Oh, yeah, it won't be Scotland. <laughs> it <laughs> won't be, yeah. It's but if, if they have to finish second in order to avoid a tough journey forward. No, because everyone, this is the weird thing about the draw. If you finish first, you've got a horrible path. Mm. So, so everyone's going to be aiming for second place. But if but you finish England, second, then it's probably Spain in the next round, right? Yes. I'd love it if that led to a game where but England <laughs> you're just trying to score from your, in your own goal from kickoff over and over again. It's a race <laughs> to see who can score the most own goals. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the Euro 2020 we all want to see. Let's have some lovely music. Yep. It's a song for Europe, and it's Mina Rizuki. Mina. Hi. Inter, top of Syria. A. Boom. Is this their season? This is an interesting question because I think it's been asked so, like, non-stop on Italian TV. I mean, this is their best ever start uh, to a campaign, obviously, because Inter always need a bit of Juve help. So Juve got relegated. They started to win trophies. Um, and now Juve's coach is the man who's leading them forward. But they've won 12 of their 14 opening games. They have an amazing connection up front between Lukaku and Lautaro Martinez. Um their midfield is missing key players in Sensi and Barella, but they're still grinding out wins. They're doing an effective job considering the fact that they played in the Champions League. They have a clear identity and they're always fired up. But when, when you look at it, Juventus still have another gear to sort of hit because they're still trying to find their feet under their new coach. Um, Sadi's tactics not really being taken on board yet. So you just feel like, whereas this is the ultimate Inter, you don't think that there's another gear that they're going to go to. So based on that alone, I think it's still UVs. What about over in Germany? Jaden Sancho does not seem happy at Borussia Dortmund. What's going on with him? This is quite a tough one because he's obviously been disciplined for the fact that he came back late from international duty. He was very upset at the fact that he was taken off sort of 36 minutes in when they were playing Bayern Munich. He felt humiliated also because uh, the, the coach, Lucien Favre, came out afterwards and said, oh, I took him off because it wasn't good enough. Sancho feels that he's the man who a lot of the time provides 
the impact or does something different. Like he scored against Barcelona midweek. He's, you know, he, he wants to be a little bit more protected. I can understand what he's feeling, but I can also understand the club's feelings as well. Because, you know, it's it's a little bit like you have, you know, you, you shouldn't have come back late. You are sort of acting up a little bit at times. Um, whereas he feels like, why am, I, why am I not being protected? Why was I hung out to dry against Bayern Munich? So they both have a point. I'm one of those people that always believes the club is right. That's why I don't like Bale. So um, <laughs> I'm just one of those types of people. I, I don't like Del Piero or Totti. I don't like guys who try to like... Sorry, you know, I don't like Del Piero? No. Whoa. I don't like... I, I liked him for a, for a long time because he was a club man. But then when they start to want to be bigger than the club, I'm like, get out. You know, and if you want to play when you're 432 years old, then you just you really need to know your place sort of thing, you know. <laughs> and so I don't like those types. I'm always one of those people that sides with the club. And when it comes to Sancho, I can understand why he feels aggrieved. But at the end of the day, this is a club that took a chance on him. It's a big club in Germany. And so try to do the best you can and swallow it. Right. Because this is your path forward. And if you're seen as a good and flexible guy, you'll you'll do a lot more better. Like you'll do a lot better than people who might think that you're sending out. It's a bit worrying on Sancho, all this at such a young age that he's kind of acting like this and that he seems to have got carried away with being linked to United and the 100 million price tag. Ha- this is and, why and we have to protect our youth. In the um, England youth sides, a um, couple of years ago, him and Foden got disciplined for turning up late for a training session. Um, so it just feels like there's there's maybe something there where he needs a bit better advice around him or something because he doesn't need to do this at his age. He will get his move probably in the summer, whatever happens. All of the noise and all of this around him isn't doing anyone any good. No, this is what happened. This is what happened initially with Zaniolo and Ken as well. They were both sort of late. And when the journalists keep talking to uh, about them like they're the heroes, you know, oh my God, let's bring in Mason Mount. Let's bring in Jane Sancho. No, let's calm down. Because these guys get carried away and they're being linked to so many big clubs and then they start losing it. I got to hope they take it as a kick up the, um, the rear end. It could be the kind of thing that they talk about in five years' time on an interview and they say, yes, that was the real turning point for me. I really like to knuckle down. And- JJ learns how to use a non-sweary euphemism all too late in this week's show. Uh, what about in Spain, Mina? Under the radar uh, footballer Lionel Messi scored a winner for Barcelona against Atletico Madrid. Is this another country in which we can give them the title now? No, I don't oh. think so. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I thought that, to be honest, when you watch that game, you thought Atletico Madrid had just so many chances to actually take the lead. They were playing in Madrid. Um, Morata just thought he scored. Everyone thought that they scored, but Ter Stegen was on another level and he just blocked out everything. And obviously, you know, you're starting to see the top three in, in terms of Griezmann, Suarez and Messi actually starting to click somewhat. A lot of booze for Griezmann, um, FYI. But that was booze always... or booze, yeah. bargain booze, cap, yeah. B-O-O-S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not booze, but yeah. But you just didn't think that. Again, I just don't think Barcelona are that good. Neither Atleti. I think it's Madrid. Sorry, but if you saw oh. that match against PSG in the beginning, before they sort of threw it away because Valverde came off. This is a team that is really playing because Zidane is really a very good coach. Let's not get into that. <laughs> Let us finish with Freddie Lundberg again. He's back. Frank Lampard's back. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is back. They're all managing in the Premier League. So I want to know which naughty's footballing hero you would like to see get the call next, JJ. Oh, before you, JJ, what about our friends on Twitter? At Ronnie Huggins <laughs> says, Carrick. Cheers, Ronnie. Uh, at The Cricket List says, Nicky Butt at some point, surely. And Phil Drogba will be tempted one day too. And Graham agrees with you, Matt, 
Martin says Duncan Ferguson, although I would class him as more nineties. JJ Naughties footballers you'd like to see manage? I would just like it if Alan Shearer was really good at being a manager. That would make me really happy. But maybe he is. Yep. I mean the evidence suggests he might not be. Mm, yeah. I feel like Joel Cole might be quite good. He talks well about things. Yeah, maybe. Mina, a face of disdain. Who have you got? I just don't know if I to call uh, Didier Drogba, <laughs> yes. I feel like, would be a lot of fun. Um, otherwise, I would really like it if Ronaldo retired and came back as a coach. Yeah, that would be interesting. Just because I would want to see how he would talk to the players and whether he would want to just be like, oh, just get off and then he'll come on himself. Didn't he Suck do it when on. Portugal won the... Didn't he basically manage Portugal? Yeah, when they won. Yeah. How about you, Matt? 90s hero? Not 90s hero. Noughties hero? I've already done mine with Duncan Ferguson. (laughs) I was just checking he did play in the noughties and he did. Good. Um, Yeah, love it. Just just one game. I don't want him to be a long-term manager. I just want one game, him versus Liverpool, on his own, with no shirt on. (laughs) That'll do it. That's your lot for this week. You can get in contact with me before next week's show if you'd like to, at Tom with an H. Gibbs on Twitter, a website we all know very well. Send us an email too if you'd like. You know the address by now. I'm sure of it. afcpodcast.telegraph.co.uk will read out the best of what you send us. Don't forget to subscribe to Audio Football Club. Simply type the words Audio Football Club into your phone or internet-enabled computing device. Go to where that ever that takes you, you know, probably iTunes or Podcasts or Spotify. Something like that. I'm running out of steam. Subscribe. Do it. Go on. It'll be fun. Thanks to Joel Grove on the buttons. Thanks to UPA Company. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.